So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. So Sarah, as most of us know, for years, we've heard this narrative about Lamar Jackson that he's not an accurate passer. But guess what? So far through a quarter, almost a quarter pretty much, through the season, he is destroying that accusation straight up. (laughs) Destroying is right, and we will prove it. We dig into the numbers and the film to show just how good number eight has been. And we'll also listen to why head coach John Harbaugh and this Ravens organization has seen through this lazy narrative for years. Plus, you won't believe how good this offense has been in the red zone so far this season under new OC Todd Munkin. Night and day from 2022. Promise, I promise you that. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, October 3rd, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault, which is brought to you by this episode's small business Patreon title sponsor, Sharu Hashim. Well, if you haven't listened to it already, you should. And if you already have, you need to listen to it again. We caught up with the one and only Roquan Smith for our semi-weekly conversation and Agent Zero. Bobby, we both know this. He was box office still riding high from Sunday Sunday's thumping in Cleveland. I'm done adding on. Everybody should know it's <laughs> box office. He's unbelievable, period. Plus... We're going to take a look around the AFC North and give you an update on Steelers QB Kenny Pickett ahead of Baltimore's Week 5 trip to Pittsburgh, which is coming up this weekend. Yeah, so we have all of that and always, like we always do, much more. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, you know, we've talked a little bit about this. uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, but, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of data and now the data is picked up. We've got double the data because it's two weeks later. It's week four, Bobby. It's the old narrative. Lamar Jackson. He's just a running back, right? He can't really throw. He might be a good quarterback, but is he a good passer? He, He can't, he can't hit his targets. Baloney. Okay. Baloney. Our, our guy, our QB is number two, okay, in completion percentage. That doesn't tell the whole story because that also talks about wide receivers. Nonetheless, it tells a big part of the story. He's number two in completion percentage at 74.3. Okay, he's barely beat, barely beat by our guy up in Buffalo, right, Josh Allen. He's beat beating Lamar by only a half percentage point, okay? He's at 74.5. We got more numbers. It's not just that he overall is doing well, Bobby. What else you got? Let's dig in. 
where do you want to start? I mean, Brad Spielberger here from PFF. Lamar's the most accurate QB on throws 10-plus yards downfield, according to PFF. This is charting through week four. Of course, this does not include Monday Night Football, but who cares? 67.9% of throws charted as accurate. That's where Lamar falls. What about in zone coverage? Here you see it. Week four against Cleveland. Again, as well-documented, the number one defense entering week four. But as Roquan told us, listen, it's a week-to-week league. Slow your roll. Okay, Ro, we'll listen to you more often. 12 of 13 <laughs> in the completion department against zone coverage. 172 passing yards, two touchdowns, 158.3. That's a perfect passer rating. Sarah, these are just a couple uh, a couple of, of what Lamar's been able to do. He's showcasing why he's becoming so much more comfortable in this offense. We know he has the keys from Todd Munkin. He's going through his reads. He looks the part, right? He, he looks so poised and composed. And goodness gracious, as our guy Cole Jackson suggested, he may very well own and maybe, just maybe, have a, a title as governor of your state <laughs> of residence, Ohio. Lamar is 7-1 and one all time against the Browns in games he starts and finishes. Lamar is 7-1 and one against the Cincinnati Bengals. And yeah, that's 14-2 and two overall. He has owned those two teams in the division, Sarah. And uh, wow, we saw it again. Even though there was no Deshaun Watson, we did see it again on Sunday in Cleveland. Governor Jackson, I kind of I kind of like the ring of that. <laughs> this is what the one that you showed from PFF, though, about the most accurate QB on throws 10 plus yards downfield. Okay. So you will often hear, uh, you know, the haters, the people who don't really believe in Lamar, the people who probably National aren't watching media the games. And those outside uh, of the market. Yeah. They'll say, oh, well, yeah, Todd Munkin has brought in, you know, more high percentage throws and completions. And that's true. But that doesn't mean that's the only thing he's throwing. So, he goes from number two, okay, in the league of just all completion percentage and moves up to number one in in being the most accurate with 10 plus yards. Okay, so the further he went out, the better he was. So Lamar Jackson on third and fourth down just this week against the Browns. Okay, the crucial downs, right? The downs where you got to convert, you got the most pressure. It's on with Lamar. On third and fourth downs, he was seven of nine. Only missed two, if you can't do the math. See, I'm smart up here. I got math. Um, for 77 yards, two touchdowns. His two touchdown passes came off of those downs. He had one big-time throw. I don't know which one they're referring to. Is it, was that to Zay? I'm sure that was Zay. Because that was the one, was the either, one deep one, right? That was either Zay or the one that he thread the needle to Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. It could have been one of those. It said one big-time throw. I don't know if it meant the touchdown or what. But regardless... Okay, and then again on third and fourth down, the most crucial downs, he's 141.9 pass rating. Bobby, that's when defenses know, I mean, if it's third and medium or long, they know they can pin their ears back. So uh, in all these different situations, he's accurate, absolutely accurate. Here's John Harbaugh now. on this exact conversation, and then we'll get to what is just an insane metric put together by our guy, Ken McCusick. Watch this. Say what I've always said, you know, Mars an accurate quarterback. I mean, he always has been to my eyes. And I, I'll, just, I'll just take the one throw to Mark for the touchdown in the corner of the end zone. I mean, that's as good a throw as you're ever going to see in a football game from a quarterback. So, uh, 
Yeah, his, his completion percentage speaks for itself. It speaks to all the guys, receivers, offensive line, everybody. But we've always believed, uh, you know, we've always believed in his ability to throw the ball for sure. And uh, I, I do think that he's uh, very determined to be the best he can be. Now let's go full screen for this because this is for the folks, Sarah. I'm going to let you take this too because I can tell you're chomping at the bit to talk about this. No. <laughs> but, but this is for the folks who think that it's still vanilla. It's still looking eerily similar to what happened under Greg Roman. And by the way, there are similar concepts, especially in the power run game that they've adopted under Todd Munkin that you saw with Greg. But there's a major difference, and that is red zone production. I'll leave it to you. All right. So Ken McCusick, this was great. He tweeted that the Ravens have had 15 red zone possessions this season. And here's what happened on all 15 in chronological order. It seemed bad at first. It was that interception. Wasn't feeling good about that, right? But then Lamar Jackson goes on an absolute tear. Lamar Jackson and the offense, I should say. And Todd Munkin helping lead the way. After that initial touchdown, I mean, interception, touchdown and another touchdown, but in the form of a two-point conversion, another touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. I think I got it all right there, Bobby. Count them. Count them. That is 91 points scored. Okay, so that's 6.1 per red zone trip. Uh, you only get six points every time, you know, with the actual touchdown seven with the, the, uh, extra point or a two point conversion. So 80% of it is touchdowns. The 2022 league wide touchdown percentage. Okay. Was 56.8%. Again, Ravens are at 80 last year. The Ravens were at 44%. You want to know where that ranked last year? Number 30 in the league. I'm looking it up right now. This is, as you said, a massive difference between the, you know, what was going on with last year with, with Roman when it just felt like his offense got stale. Absolutely, you're still seeing the running game. You're still seeing Lamar rush in for the touchdowns. Why not? Why would you get why would you give that threat up? It's almost like people are trying to like manipulate you by shaming you to not let him run screw that like we're still going to use a strength you know but yeah but yeah that doesn't mean he's not accurate and holy cow is that have, have we shown that here uh well you got any thoughts on the red zone defense before we break down some film i just kind of took myself back to last year and remembered some observations you know that they'd, they'd be cooking on all cylinders until they get inside the 20 and then they would stall and just settle for mm. field goal after field goal after field goal and then I went back and realized in my Facebook memories that Monday marked the one-year anniversary of that sideline spat between Marcus Peters and John Harbaugh against the Bills when Harbs opted to go for it on fourth down. Now, you might be wondering where I'm, how I'm connecting this. While that was a gut decision by him, right? I think he may have pushed the analytics aside. It was fourth and two. Actually, it was fourth down. I don't know what the, the yardage was, but they were on the two-yard line. Right. And so he, that was essentially one of his gut decisions. You go against analytics, and instead of kicking the field goal, you try to essentially, you know, win the game. Be there. aggressive. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that there was reason to believe that he may not have had a ton of, a ton of confidence in his defense at that point. I mean, they had a lot of issues in the injury department. And so I just, a year later, 
I just think about the way that this team is functioning inside the 20. And there is no there is no concern of stalling. There is no concern about vanilla or predictability inside the 20. And like you said, not only are they still sticking to what we've seen under Greg Roman, design quarterback runs for Lamar, which he's had a ton of success on, by the way, through four weeks, but they're sticking to the power run game at points too. That's how they set the tone against Cleveland. But now you have the playmakers to go on top of that on the outside, even though it's been a couple of weeks without Bateman and OBJ. So, so now you're just seeing a, a true pick-your-poison offense that hasn't even come close, as Roquan told us earlier today, right? hasn't even come close to reaching the ceiling here. Roquan told us, and we'll hear from him in just a bit, that Lamar is not even close to putting this all together yet. And he says that Lamar says the same thing, which we've heard time and time again. So anyway, I just thought it was a great statistic pulled up by Ken. Uh, I thought it's very, very promising. That was my big, biggest takeaway. It's promising, and it's a clear sign of improvement between Roman and, and Munkin. Well, another thing that I forgot to mention, I said that the 44.4% red zone touchdown percentage last year, I said that was number 30 last year. I didn't mention what the 80% touchdown red zone percentage is, where that ranks. Number one. Number one in the league. I mean, you can produce turnovers. You can score when you get to the red zone. Good things are going to happen. And I didn't pull the film because I pulled film more for how Lamar's throwing and being accurate. But maybe tomorrow I'll pull some film just to go back to your point of this red zone and how um, Todd Munkin is scheming it up. I can tell you on one of those rushes by Lamar Jackson where he was completely untouched, that was set up from several weeks of Todd Munkin going to Zay Flowers. Going to Zay Flowers, and you could see that the Browns defenders were like yelling at each other, watch Flowers. I think they were worried about the screen or whatever. And so they go out just in case because they were thinking, hey, they're going to throw to Zay out on the outside. So them going out that way and also excellent blocking, but you had some linebackers more concerned with the outside. And then here's Lamar going strip the middle completely untouched. So, again, the same, but also not the same. And they don't uh, even have their horses. Year. They don't even have all their horses <laughs> in terms of what if OBJ's presence is out there and you got to right. worry about him on the outside? What about Bateman in the slot? I mean, they they have not even remotely come close to what defenses are going to have to account for. I I just oh please let them get healthy. Please let them get healthy because I can't wait to see that. Okay, so we want to talk some more about accuracy. Okay, and not in just easy situations. So. John Harbaugh in that clip we just listened to, he said it was this play where Lamar Jackson hit Mark Andrews in the corner of the end zone. Okay, he said that's about as good of a play as you're ever going to see. Now, I took this back um, this back end zone look from, who who is this? Billy Hayen from the Sandusky, Sandusky Register. Uh, he was sitting, obviously, in some end zone seats that were pretty good. He had the perfect angle of this. We've seen the TV copy, obviously, watching the game. But watch this here. First of all, I don't even know. There's, Lamar's like barely, like, I, I don't know how these quarterbacks see back there, okay? I mean, where's, like, it's crazy that he can see like this. But anyway, here he goes and launches it. And it did look to me that he was a little late. I've seen other people do film breakdowns that it looked like um, the safety still hadn't committed up. Um on the other wide receiver. And so that's what Lamar was waiting for. He wanted to see if he was going to commit up. It looked like it was a little bit late to me, but uh, I can see what people are seeing on film anyway. So he launches this and it just 
Look at that. Look at that. He's got it in his hands. We've got number 21 here with his hand. Like it was inches, inches away. And then what a catch by Mark Andrews on that. So according to, according to what happened to our slides here? I don't know where our slides are. Um, it must right here, be down lower. You. Here we go. Thank you. You got me. Okay. So Jameson Hensley got this um, stat from Next Gen Stats. That touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone to Mark Andrews had only a 17% completion probability. I'm not putting my money down on 17% usually when I have a 17 point or 17% chance that something's going to happen. That is low. Lamar's again, high completion percentage has nothing to do with him just doing, I shouldn't say nothing. It's not only because he throws shorter passes. So that was the second most improbable touchdown pass of Lamar Jackson's NFL career. This guy is number two in the league with completion percentages when he's Completing stuff like that? That's crazy. I just think it speaks uh, to just how comfortable he is, too. He's willing to to mix and match. I mean, that was a high leverage. The game wasn't out of reach at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Not yet. That was in the first half, right? So, you know, yep. not only do you have pressure, in-game pressure, but you got pressure in the pocket. And so I just, his willingness and composure to go through his reads and not just be flushed out of the pocket. I mean, that's something we saw from a rookie in DTR, right? He He's looking at his first read. It's not there. He's he's gone. And that's what you see from a lot of these young quarterbacks. They just the, the speed of the game is so different. And, and Lamar is just, he's on his own level when it comes to speed, as we know. But now the diagnostics of being in, in the pocket and, and, and working within the confines of this this new scheme. He's just adapting to it very quickly. Dan Orlovsky said four to six weeks. It's now week five. He's putting up MVP caliber numbers right now. Dan still might be right in terms of maybe there are more levels to this. Like Roquan was suggesting, maybe we haven't seen the, the, the peak of what Lamar can be in this new system. And if that's the case, look out. How about this picture, by the way, from Getty Images? That is beautiful. Mark in the air, climb the ladder, and the, the two Browns right next to him. He's got his eyes being like, oh, crap, he just caught it. All right, just two other quickly, and then we'll move on to the next topic. So this one is Lamar. This is, oops, this is the other one where, okay, this is the one where um, Schwartz, who we covered before the game, said he's going to bring the fight to Lamar, right? And by the way, this video is courtesy of, of Ryan Mink. He pulled this over, over at the Ravens. So they're coming hard at him, and he – I don't understand how he does this. He gets the ball. He fakes the handoff to Gus Edwards. Right away, I think that's – I think that's joke, right? The linebacker is clearly spying him. He comes after Lamar. Lamar – jukes him he's like oh okay you're gonna come hard at me that way i'll just go up the middle oh here comes another i think linebacker there and so lamar I, look at what look at the where he's leaning bobby he is on one foot his back foot his whole body is leaning towards the right and then with the flick of the wrist watch this boom cross the field hits mark andrews and then mark andrews does the rest i mean what a duo and takes it another i don't know 20 yards here just uh, that again not a high percentage throw i'm sorry it's not that's under pressure linebackers 
all over you, throwing off, off balance, falling to the ground and finding Mark like that, unreal. Okay, now let's look at Zay Flowers. Not a high percentage pass. This is obviously um, great protection early on, by the way. Look at this wall. Look at this wall. This is more of like they just had good coverage downfield. So Lamar sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket. Finally, Lele falls down. Okay, he finally gets beat. But to be fair, he held them for ample time. Okay, that was like a good three seconds. You can't expect these guys to be out there forever. So it looks bad, but he was holding them for, for quite a I think I can count up to three seconds, which should be plenty, plenty, not plenty, but it's 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 the normal amount of time. So of course, Lamar sees that he he broke broke down. He's coming at him full blast. Whoop! Right past him on the run again. Off of one foot, just a flick of the wrist, going 40 yards to find Zay Flowers, an improv play that, uh, again, that is not a high percentage pass and catch. Uh, just how he has accuracy on the run, off of one foot, with a little flick of the... It doesn't even look like it's hard for him to flick that. So, anyway, that's our... We've, we've got the numbers, we've got... The Film, we've got his coach talking, we've got red zone, Lamar Jackson, accurate passer. Sarah, both of those things do not happen without the effort uh, and creativity from his two playmakers, too. As great as that was yep. about Lamar staying in the play, he's one of one, right? Everything that you described on the run, just that does not happen unless Zay and Mark stay in the play. And get creative as well as Lamar's creative. And that's why the element of street ball, not only that we've seen for years now between Mark and Lamar, but now there's a second element. There's a second layer to that with Zay. That's yep. what makes this offense so dangerous. The fact that Lamar can create an improv and, and just be so incredibly, he's a threat every single time he touches the football and sometimes when plays break down that's when he's at his best which makes him so fun to watch let's get to uh, notable stuff from john harbaugh's monday press conference which really kind of starts and ends with the injury category and you were kind enough to put all of this on twitter we'll get to all of this morgan moses at the top of the list he's got an mri that's still being evaluated they're going to know more later this week, but it doesn't look like something that's going to last all season. Remember, he left the game in Cleveland, did not return. Uh, Tyus Bowser, who's been on NFI all season long, and Keaton Mitchell, who's been on IR. Uh, both of these guys could be activated to the 53-man roster this week. Harbs was quoted for saying they have a chance to be. We'll see how they look if Eric decides to put them on the practice field based on his conversations with the trainers. They're in the realm of possibility of practicing. How about Marlon Humphrey? So real remember? quick, the yeah. rules on that, remember, to come off off of – no, I'm thinking of PUP. I was going to say you have three weeks to practice, and then if not, you go back on, on – yeah, that's PUP. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, they have to decide, right? Like, is it is it time? And they've got to do that between the doctors, and Eric's got to do, you know, the roster finagling. So, sorry, yeah. I was going to explain the rules of the PUP. Go on with Marlon. No, that's okay. So Marlon, the late summer procedure that came out of nowhere on his foot. Harb says he's within the range. As I've said many times, you can't say a date. He's in the range. I'm hopeful he'll get back this week. I was hopeful he'd get back last week, and the rest of it's just uh, him trying to protect himself as he's been burnt in the past, as we've been well-documented on uh, on covering. Justice Hill, who 
we know showed definitely some bursts coming off of his toe injury, especially when he kicks outside. When he bounces outside, I love the way that he just bounces off of dudes. He's got great cutting ability, and Harbs agreed. He came in and showed a burst. We did pull him back at the end just to be kind of careful with him. He's just played great. Nothing but love for Justice Hill. A lot of this is positive here, right? David Ajabo, not so much. Here's Harbs. No, he's, he's still being evaluated. He's got this, there's some decisions that have to be made that he has to make um, in terms of uh, how he wants to approach uh, the, the, the injury issues that he has. It just kind of, I think that's still private on his concern. So I would just say that is up in the air, that one. Yeah. I'm talking about, I've met from the game uh, yesterday. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, David Ajabo, whose rookie season was all but lost uh, due to the aftermath of his torn Achilles that he sustained on his Michigan Pro Day, which was much talked about. Now his sophomore season is in jeopardy, Sarah. He's dealing with knee and ankle injuries, and this is just a huge, huge loss, not only for Baltimore's edge, but for a guy who has so much promise. You know, you see so much upside and We've talked so much about him after a slow summer and let's give him grace and patience because of what it's taken to get back from the Achilles and everything within that realm. But uh, it sure seems like much like Marcus Williams had to decide. And maybe it's not even, maybe it's even more serious than Marcus's peck, but looks like a job is going to be in the same boat. Yeah. When they, because they signed Kyle Van Noy, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good about it. And not, and it, and it stinks again. Uh, that's just got to be, it's just got to be gut wrenching for, for David Ajabo. We've said similar things about JK Dobbins, right? Where it's like, you see how hard they work to get back. They're like, Oh, finally I, I like made it through. And this is really hard mentally to go through that. You're really separated from your team. 
And it's just like, finally, I went through it for a year. I've been grinding and da, 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 da in here. And then boom, you're hurt again. So whatever decision he has to make, I don't envy it. I don't envy his situation. Uh, it's really, really too bad. And um, I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like even, even if he, it sounds like he has a decision to make on surgery, right? That's what it sounds like. Uh, reading in between the lines a little bit, bringing in what, what Harbar said earlier about Marcus Williams, but um, but in this case, it almost feels like even if he doesn't have surgery, them signing Kyle Van Noy makes me feel like it still would be long term, and he is on IR regardless. So uh, we give our best to David Ojabo, and we hope that he makes the best decision that's for him. On to lighter things, which is three teases, three tease clips from our third episode of Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith, powered by Cybertech. He was just as advertised. He continues to be not only on the field, but the way that he handles himself in different media obligations. And as you probably know by now, we have 10 different episodes coming up this season with Roquan. Uh, we're so thrilled to be partnering with him. He's been a joy to work with over the course of the first month of the season. And he talked about a number of things, including how the defense and really just the overall team went into Cleveland and got their job done so much so uh, the Brown Stadium was was emptying out fairly quickly in late in the fourth quarter. This is the Brown Stadium with you know still several minutes left in the fourth quarter. You obviously emptied it out. How does it feel to you know empty out that stadium, only give up three points, and it had to be a fifty plus yarder to even get it? And now you're two and zero on the road in the division. How does it feel Monday morning? Oh, it's pretty sweet. Victory Monday, you know, and you know, the Browns fans, I'm sure that it was very loud. It was very loud in there early, you know, so I knew it was a hostile environment. But man, lately, I mean, late in the game, you can hear rats piss uh, <laughs> as it got in there, like it got really quiet. And you've seen a few Ravens fans that was uh, in there. So it was pretty sweet to get that dub um, against those guys and go to and in the division. I love your facial reactions. They are so, so funny. Did you see yourself there? <laughs> you <were> I did. <laughs> I'm just like, what did he, did he just say what I think he said? I'm used to like, you know, a pin. It was so quiet that you could hear a pin drop. No, no, he went the rats. He went with the rats uh, alleviating themselves. <laughs> so. oh. oh, it's so good. Next up is what we know got so much attention created so much unnecessary noise in the days leading up to Ravens Browns. And that was the words that were taken out of context. Yes. I got a little bit of inspired asking him this question, maybe a little bit too intense for some people's liking, but here's Roquan on all the noise leading up to game night. Most of us were in agreement. Why were these words taken out of context? Can you just clear the air? I know you kind of did post game, but just once and for all, you didn't mean anything by the whole wife and kids thing, right? That was simply trying to put yourself in their shoes. You're going into enemy territory, and they're trying to essentially combat the enemy, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And things are taken out of context. And, you know, when people are looking for bait, I meant like clickbait or whatever the case may be, bullets and board material. Like I said, it's like if you really need that in this game, day and age, man, you're playing a game for the wrong reason. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, Am I really playing the game for the right reasons? Because if you are, bulletin board material don't count, don't mean a thing to me ever, and it never it never did. And it was just basically what I was saying 
in the meeting was that when you go over to a team, when you go over into a away game, you know, it's your it's your guys basically against the world. You're going into there, the players on that side, their wife and kids are in the stands, and they're trying to put on and protect their livelihood in a sense. And we're trying to go over there and take over to protect our livelihood for our wife, kids, family, and everything like that. But you know, when people need something or need bulletin board material to make them go a little harder, I guess that's what they needed. But that was not what I meant uh, by those words. But hey, you know, people gonna take things how they want and I'm gonna play my same game regardless of if they have bulletin board material or not. I love him. My favorite one, which we didn't pull as an audio, was, uh, you know, after he tackled Elijah Moore and had his helmet come off and, like, you know, just punishing him there on there. So he said that a couple of Browns players should have come up to him and, you know, chop it up a little bit. And Roquan's like, he's like, whatever. He's like, his chin strap should be tighter. He's like, we're taught that when we're out there and we are now going to ban the word strap, okay? It's scrap. Scrap, scrap up your... Scrap up, scrap up your chin scrap, okay? <laughs> That's what we're doing here. That's how I think Ray Lewis said it too. Like, you got to scrap up. He goes, he didn't scrap up tight enough, so that's his fault. <laughs> like, it's his fault that I, like, pummeled him and his helmet fell off. That was that was by far my favorite line. Oh, goodness. Just for time constraint purposes, I'm going to have to – we're teased it too much on the Lamar stuff. So go check out the yeah. episode if you haven't already done so. Roquan had a lot of optimistic – promising even like somewhat of a bold statement in terms of what's still to come what could be coming for Lamar Jackson in this new offense from his vantage point so go check it out in the archives if you haven't already done so and we uh we continually thank Roquan for his time in this ongoing partnership around the AFC North Sarah before quick hits this is according to Ian Rappaport and this obviously means a lot to the Ravens being that it's Steelers week uh Kenny Pickett their second year quarterback he suffered a bone bruise in his knee that could lead to a short-term absence, according to Rappaport and Garofolo. The door is open for Pickett, who has a muscle strain on top of the bone bruise. Uh, the door is open to play this week, but the team may be smart with a bye in week six. Why wouldn't you do that at this point? You're in good position. This is your franchise quarterback. Mitch You've Trubisky got Roquan Smith coming to town. And you got the game wrecker and Roquan Smith led by his pack of guys behind him. So, you know, plus it's like you got Mitch Trubisky. Is he Kenny Pickett? Is he is he a starter in this league? I, he, he has been a starter in this league and he has proven to be able to win games. I don't know why you wouldn't put him out there, especially with the bye week, as Ian said. So that's something we'll monitor much like we were last week with Deshaun Watson. Uh, elsewhere, Pat Fryermuth, who is their big time standout tight end. I love the way that, the, that he plays the game. By the way, uh, he expected to he's expected to miss two to three weeks with a hamstring injury. So all of a sudden, Sarah Ravens could be going up against, you know, a reserve quarterback and a reserve tight end, depending on how this shakes out. Then before we get to quick hits, I just thought this was an interesting nugget based on how surprising Deshaun Watson's exit was. Right. He was a, essentially a, a late scratch, which sent the rookie DTR in who clearly wasn't ready for the bright lights. Because how many national media people had tweeted the night before Saturday night that Deshaun Watson's expected to go? I mean, you saw that by so many different people. So, yeah, yeah it was just like, oh, okay, he's going. And he told this reporter, Mary Kay Cabot, who we're about to read her report, 
he told her before the weekend began that he's, he is questionable, but he's good to go. So yeah. clearly something happened. Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, shed some light on what that might have been. Deshaun was medically cleared to play, and it was his call. He said that Watson knows his body best and felt like he couldn't go. Perhaps that had to do with something related to Baltimore's defensive front. End. I, I was going to say, that, that's a good way to do it. Like The Ravens have definitely treated Ronnie Stanley that way ever since Ronnie kind of came back and then re-injured his ankle. The Ravens like to put it like, here's for us, it's a green light, but this is your kind of decision. And so, you know, you got to respect that. But at the same time, you do wonder, like, yeah. if you're not feeling 100%, do I really want to go up against Queen and Jadavian and Roquan yeah. and all these guys. I mean, it uh, it might enter into his head. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. That's for sure. So, <laughs> quick hits. We'll we'll begin. We'll finish. I should say with quick hits. And our guy Patrick Ricard and he and his wife Haley, by the way, are officially expecting. I just saw that on Instagram. So congratulations oh, to the Ricards. Very exciting. Uh, shared a couple messages back and forth with him on Instagram on Monday. So thrilled for him and, and his wife. They're just such such sweet people, uh, both football people too. So here's number 42 on Ravens Wired. You know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Big ass up. We I blocked him to over here. He was so mad. I just walked into the whistle. I turned around. They shoved me, and I turned back. The guy turned his face a little bit. Hey, how come no one had my back when they were surrounding me? Y'all don't want to help me out? I had the whole defense. Miles Garrett helped me out. Miles helped me. Miles helped me. He pushed me out. He was just mad that I was like blocking him to the whistle. So then I turned around and shoved me. He's like, man, why you gotta do all that? What's up, buddy? How we doing? Good, baby. Doing good. Good. Yeah. good to see you, man. Hey, thanks for taking me out of that little scruff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got yeah. you. <laughs> I, I got so many things to say about this. I love that word. For those on the audio, when he, who he was thinking at the end, thanks for giving me out that scruff again. It was, yeah, it was Miles Garrett. Here's my, my uh, two, two comments. Number one, I love the beginning where he is blocking to, to the whistle. And this guy's like, what the... You know, are you doing? He's like, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm I'm blocking you. You know, I'm taking you down to the whistle. So I love that. <laughs> the second thing, Bobby, what do we have in Roquan? He comes on again after this next week, right? After Steelers. Then we, we got to get like, it cleared, but, but he's tentatively scheduled for that. Okay. Whenever he comes on again, because you know I've had this bone. They got better, but now they left Ricard. They left Lamar alone against the Colts guy pulling his leg. Mark at least came to Lamar's aid over on the sideline. But now, Phil Lately on that one is like literally walking away as they're all surrounding Ricard. I know Roquan's on the defensive side, but we got to bring in this clip and bring in the clip of Lamar and be like, yo, can you go talk to your offensive players and teach them how to have each other's back out there? Because you can't be surrounded by five Browns and Falele, who's supposed to be like the enforcer, just walks away. Come on, let's go. Roquan's going to look at that. I I love how you keep receipts, by the way, but Roquan's going to look at that and he's either going to be like, I'm not entertaining this, or I didn't know about that. Give me that. Yeah. Give me that tape. <laughs> exactly. Which I want to know. I don't know if he's going to take it easy on his guys, or if we can get you know get him you know to loosen up a little bit and give me some honest answers here. 
Oh, goodness gracious. Marlins Instagram live and feed in just a second. But first, Ryan Mink put together the Ravens' top PFF-graded players in week four in that win over the Browns. Mark Andrews leads the way with an 88.5 grade. Patrick Ricard just below him at 84 flat. Justice Hill, 83.3. Melvin Gordon, 73.7. Zay Flowers, 71.6. Lamar Jackson, 77. Not sure how these grades end up being graded out as Lamar had uh, accumulated four total touchdowns in the air and, and uh, on the ground. But anyway, he finished with, with a 77. How about the defensive side? Daryl Worley, who, who left this game injured, he leads. He's a team high, 89.1, coming off a game where he logged over 100 snaps there. This guy's been doing a little bit of everything. Hopefully he's okay. Malik Harrison, 82.7. Roquan Smith, 78.4. Arthur Millette, 77.3. And Rock Yassine. Wow. 75.2. Look at these look at these backup secondary, man. Look at just Arthur Mallette. First game for I not I don't know if it's the, the only snaps he's gotten, but he started, yep. uh, I believe. And I mean, it's just uh, it is unreal. We are not talking enough about these backup secondary at CB and safety, quite frankly. I mean, it's just unreal what these guys are doing. And it's something that, I'll be honest, I just kept thinking this is going to be a repeat of the Ravens wide receiver 2022 situation. But because there were enough injuries at training camp, it forced them to go out and get all these guys. And now we've got plenty of depth because it's just so normal at CB where these are like CBs have these soft tissue injuries. I mean, they can have season enders, but it's very common to have these soft tissue ones that, like, you're out four or five weeks. All right, let's just keep cycling back in and out, guys. We got, you know, the depth's there. But we do need to see, see you cycle back in. Hello, Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, no kidding. Hopefully John Harbaugh kind of suggested that that's imminent. We'll yeah. see if he comes back for Steelers week. You Kyle like how Van Boy. You, you like how I put another tweet in here with you? Yeah, you had to get Spenny some, <laughs> some love here. Man, I had no, it all nice and clean. Sorry. You know, had it all nice and clean. You got to get Spenny some a- more love. I, well, it's not for Spenny. It's for Jadavian. Uh, but, it, yeah, sorry. I just didn't want to do another slide. Go ahead. No, of course. <laughs> Kyle Van Noy, as we already knew, had a banner debut for the Ravens. 15 pass rush snaps, four total pressures, three hurries, a quarterback hit, and a 20% flat pass rush win rate. Again, much like JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul was asked to do last year upon signing the same week. Throw these guys into the fire. They're on the other side of 30. They got a lot of experience under their belts, and you saw why uh, in, in Kyle's debut. And then, like you said, Spenny, Jadavian Clowney, he may not be finishing in the sack department, that, but that does not mean that he ain't being disruptive. He's currently ninth in the NFL in pressures with 19. That's one behind one Nick Bosa through four weeks. So pretty dang good company, to say the very least. And a great signing for them so far in the early going. Let's see if it's sustainable over the course of a full season. It wasn't for Justin Houston, who was a similar signing a year ago, Sarah, or two years ago. But let's hope it is. All right. So for one of these last things, let's save one for tomorrow. Either either the, the, the best of the IG live or this locker room. Let's only do one and we'll save one for tomorrow. Okay. The locker room is what? It's Harb's post-game locker room, but that's five minutes long. Oh, yeah. Let's cut yeah, that yeah. down. Let's cut that down and bring it up tomorrow. Let's do the IG live, the best of. It's only like a minute here. All right, yeah. 
Also, uh, first time pod, tune into the pod. Don't forget about the pod. Okay. There we go. That's all we need. Yes. Yeah, we walk in the trap and take over the trap. Talk to us. We actually got 2,000, but um, that's okay. Um, you went back to Cleveland, which was once your home. How did it feel? I mean, we know you were kind of on. Okay. Well, hey, thank you, sir. Just put it there. Put it there. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. I mean, look at these two guys. Two dogs. I mean, can you guys talk to us a little bit? Cause he's trying to act sleep, and you trying to act sleep. Somebody got to wake up. Hey, excuse me. Excuse me. Ex hey, sir. Sir. What about, is he ticklish? <clears throat> I know he's ticklish though. <laughs> okay, we're gonna come back. Y'all think y'all, y'all think y'all. I mean. Oh God, please remove this camera now. Okay. Well, <laughs> oh God, stop this now. What, what is you understand, I'm just, oh God, stop. You want us to come back? Okay, that's okay. You look like you're gonna give a speech speech. We just need a short and sweet one now, come on. Nah, man, I love y'all. Yes, sir. Yeah, keep winning the division game for sure, and then get my little bag. Then yeah, snap. Hey, 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 I appreciate that. My fault. Yeah. I love how we asked Roquan about him tickling him. He's like, he's treating us like we're like his preschool kids. What's that all about? And what's funny is I was watching you react to it. You weren't even like smiling and laughing. You were like, had like a cringe, like a cringe smile as you're watching it. And like Lamar in the beginning, he's like, go Ravens. He's like, okay, okay. Appreciate it. That's not, you know, so those, those are always hilarious. They're, they're, he's just an annoying in the interview, which is entertaining. And on the bright side, we learned what, what trap means okay yes, we got we educated yes we did <laughs> i think so we'll have to wear that one we want to shout out uh two of our returning patrons they are supporting everything we do here inside the channel through patreon this month that was the wrong duo so let me just make sure i have the right ones uh, Ephraim ribero and major offense we appreciate both of you guys for believing in what we're building here in baltimore and beyond and if you're interested in doing the same you can visit patreon.com forward slash ravens vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering so with that for my co-host and partner sarah ellison this is uh, Bobby Trostet signing off from a Tuesday morning vault. We will be back on Wednesday. We will start to turn a page to Steelers week and plenty more content is forthcoming. Thanks as always for being with us. And if you haven't already done so, go check out episode three of Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith. <laughs>